Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? If you're doing good, put your hands together like this. That's what I'm talking about. What, what, what in a great time of worship, and it's, it's extra special to me, I, I, and I kind of forgot about it in first service, but I got to worship with my son-in-law. My son-in-law is Austin, who led us in worship today, who did a great job with the rest of the team, so it is always an honor and a privilege to be on the same stage as him, and, and so, man, it's an exciting time. Amen? Good stuff. Busy couple weeks here at Journey, between Night to Shine and Second Saturday yesterday, we took care of a couple hundred um, People in our community, it was just amazing to me. We got to serve. Uh, and today we get to start a brand new series. And so it's going to be my new favorite, favorite series. series. And we're going to go to the book of Ruth. And it's interesting, as we were actually singing some of those songs, I was thinking about the book of Ruth, even kind of going through the next three or four weeks, because the, the book of Ruth is actually a redemption story. It's a story of God's faithfulness and how God has been faithful, even in the midst of all the, uh, you know, the struggles and the trials. And so it's going to be nice over the next couple of weeks to kind of teach. It's going to be nice just to extract some truth from an amazing book. It's not a very big book. It's only four chapters. Um, I think it's 80-something, 88 verses or like that. But there's so much truth in it. But when I was studying this week, I came across a question that, that kept coming up to me. And, and, and I want to do something. I'm not going to try to be super serious today and, you know, all that kind of, all the, you know, like we'll do that another time. But, but for the next five minutes, can we just be serious? And because I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want anybody to throw their hands up, and I don't want anybody to shout out their answers. And, 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 and your initial thing that you're going to think, some of you, because I know how sarcastic some of you are, your initial one's going to be something, it's not the right answer. So here, here's the question. How did you get to where you are right now? Now, here's where people get sarcastic and stupid. I drove here. Wrong answer. My mama birthed me. I get that. I, I've been around 57 years. I know how that works, okay? I, I'm talking about how did you get in the place in your life that you are right now? Maybe it's even sitting right here. How did you get right here? How, how, did, you, how did you, if you're in a place of blessing and favor of the Lord, how did you get to that place? Well, what was the path that took you to get you from point A to point B? And, and maybe you're not. Maybe you feel like, resentment and bitterness and anger and, and frustration and, you know, hurt, all that. That's where you're at right now in your life. That's the place that you have. That's your little circle. How did you get there? How did you get to that place right there? I think it was, I think it was um, uh, Greg Rochelle that said this. Greg Rochelle says, not, uh, he says, everybody gets somewhere, but not everybody gets somewhere on purpose. Now, here's the deal. You're probably, like a lot of people, you're probably at a place in your life that it was not your intention to be there. Like, like you didn't, like this was not the expectation. I did not expect this to happen. Maybe it was good or bad. You didn't expect this. You didn't expect to have, you know, the problems with your marriage. You didn't expect to have problems with the kids. Or maybe you didn't expect all the blessings that you're getting right now. And you're overwhelmed with all of God's blessings. How did you get right there? I was reading a study this past week, which I found quite fascinating. And they took a bunch of people and they put blindfolds on them. And then they had them walk. And as they were walking with the blindfold on, what started to happen is they started to drift right or they started to drift left. They, 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 none of them ended up straight. And what's generally happened is the further out they got, the bigger the circle got. And then eventually it started winding like a little small, little small, little small, little small circle. And they were like in this way. 
but none of them felt like they were walking crooked. They all felt like they were still walking straight. And what the survey said or the study showed was, if you don't have a focal point, you don't know where you're going. So what's going to happen is you're going to end up somehow or another going left or right. And you know what I've realized in my life? If I don't have a focal point, I'm talking spiritually now. If I don't have a focal point, I end up going left or right. I end up going in the wrong direction. And it's, and it's, it's not by chance that the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 14, 12, it says there's a path before each person. So every person in this room, there's a path that at some point or another, you thought it was right. You thought it was the right path. It literally says it seems right. That seems like the right path. Like I am going the right direction at this moment right now. You almost think to yourself, wow, I'm really doing good. I'm going in this direction. But it says, but it ends in death because it's the wrong path. Now, Jesus says, because he becomes in our lives, our focal point, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except for through me. He is our focal point. And what I'd like to do over the next just couple minutes is I want to talk about that road that each of us is on and the focal point, where we have put our focus and how maybe, just maybe, the place that we're in right now is not the place that God wants us and we're going to get on the right road to get to where God wants us to be. That's the story. That's the story of the book of Ruth. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Ruth chapter one. We're going to do one chapter at a time for four weeks and we're going to read a lot and we're going to kind of talk a little bit. Uh, this story is about two women. There's two main characters in this. And if you've studied the book of Ruth, you probably know this, but it's Ruth and Naomi and it's a daughter-in-law. Ruth is a daughter-in-law. Naomi is the mother-in-law and they're in despair because they've been exiled. Actually, they left themselves. They left Bethlehem to go to Moab, which we'll talk about in a minute. Naomi felt bitter and empty because some really bad things happened in her life. And we're going to talk about that because that's where a lot of us are right now. Uh, some bad things have happened. Uh, Ruth was considered an outsider when she went back to Bethlehem because she was a Moabite, so she wasn't even part of the same lineage. Uh, together, what they discovered is there's no situation beyond the reach of God's. And if you want to write something down, this is it. Ruth is a book of God's redeeming love. How God redeems his people, how he loves his people. Hey, sin is son. At the end of the day, this whole story is about Jesus. Even though Jesus' name is never mentioned, it's about Jesus being our redeemer. It's Jesus that, 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 that our, our husband, he becomes our everything in our lives. And chapter one teaches a valuable lesson, simple lesson, that even when it looks like all hope is lost, there's always hope. Please somebody say amen to that. Because I've seen that happen in my life. When all hope is lost, when I feel like I can't go on another day, somehow or another, God, God shows up. And that's, that's what this chapter shows. So Ruth chapter one, verse one, and I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say some names and I'm gonna say them with great confidence but I'm probably going to say I'm wrong, okay? I, I, I am convinced. How many people other than me, you read the Bible and you just wish it was a Steve and a Bob in there, <laughs> right? And it was maybe Appling and, you know, Evans, but they have all these, right? So if I blow these up, just love me anyway. Just love me like Jesus would love me, right? Say, bless your heart, pastor. All right, all right here we go. Verse one, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. And that's really important. You may want to kind of highlight if you have an analog Bible that there was a severe famine that came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in a country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Fred, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons, Malan and Kilian, were from Ephratites. 
from Bethlehem, the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So that's really important. They're in, they're in this place called Moab. I have a feeling, I think we're going to uncover in a minute, that his, his desire was not to go there for a long period of time. He was just there maybe one season, two seasons. There's a famine in Bethlehem. Maybe somehow or another just extract himself from that. And when the famine was gone, to go back there. But, but, but there was other plans, okay? So he recently settled there, it says. And then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. Verse three, the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other one was named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed the people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and the daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to the homeland. If you don't, it's because the famine had been lifted and they're going back because there's, there's hope back in Bethlehem. Now, I want you to understand something and I'm gonna make this statement and I believe this is the land that lots of us are living in at times in our lives. I'm not saying this to kind of bring more credit to bad things when they happen, just to let us know that there's this land right here that so many people live. Sometimes things go from bad to worse before they get better, before they get to the point where they're good things. They go from bad to worse. Has anybody else ever seen that? Like you wake up, have a little fun with this. Do you ever wake up in the morning, your alarm doesn't go off at the right time and everything seems to go sideways and it goes from bad to worse, right? Kind of like this, this happens when you get to work. That's a Xerox machine, it's not our Xerox machine. Or that happens, that's supposed to be stress relief and it brings more stress in your life. Or, yep, yep, that's a good one there. And, and then there's this one. For all you roller coaster riders, how, would, how many people would love to be sat right now? Liars, liar, liar, pants on fire. And then, and then, then this, I actually saw this happen one time. And then my favorite, this is one of my favorites right here, the toothbrush in the toilet bowl. And I'll tell you a quick story. It was a couple months ago. So we have three bathrooms and I have, it's the best thing a man can have is his own bathroom. All the women say, and so I have my own bathroom and the sink is here in um, the commodes right here. And I, I like to put my phone um, on the edge of the sink and I'm, I'm playing music or I'm listening to my Bible or I'm, you know, a, a podcast, whatever, right? So I'm sitting there brushing my teeth and I, and I, I was listening to the song Gyra, um, Maverick City. Anybody ever listen to that? And it gets to that point, like, I'm popping and, and I got the toothbrush dangling out of my mouth and I got spit just, you know, drooling. I wish I had a picture of it. It was spectacular. So I'm doing all that. And in my zeal for Jesus and worshiping, I hit my phone and it was like a catapult. And y'all ever know, it's like something, it goes in slow motion. And the first thing I did is I looked, the seat of the toilet was open. And I'm like, oh gee, I prayed the most sincere prayer you have ever heard. Jesus, because I'm not getting it. If it's in there, it's staying in there. That's a thousand dollars down the tube. I don't care. I'm not reaching my hand down to that nasty stuff. So thank you, Jesus. He answered my prayer and it ended up on the floor. But has anybody ever had a moment where it's went bad to worse and it ends up in the toilet? How about on a serious note? Like, that's funny. But how about on a serious note? Because that's what happened with Naomi. She goes and is exiled to a land that she's never been. She doesn't know anybody. She goes to Moab. And in that process, could you imagine this? She's there. They don't think they're going to stay a very long time, but a day came, a week, a week came, a you know, a month, a month, a year. And then before that, it was 10 years. It was a solid decade they were in Moab. 
And in that decade, what happens is Elimelech, her husband dies. And then in that process, her sons die. So now she's got two widows that she's caring for in a land that she doesn't know anybody. And there's still a famine going on. And I got to believe that she's thinking to herself, this all went from bad to worse. What we find out though, it stays like that for a little while, but you know what eventually happens? Blessings come. The blessings of God start to get poured out, which we'll look at at the very end of this. But I, I, I really want to ask this question, and I don't want you, there again, don't raise your hand. Because I believe there's people that are in this room that are watching online, that are over in the atrium, they're down at Sherwood campus, that you feel like you're facing a worse, uh, bad to worse situation. Like it's, it, it, it was bad and now it got worse. And maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a, a relational breakdown, maybe it's a business, maybe it's money, whatever it is. And you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm just here. I, like, and I want you to know that over the next three weeks, and especially today, what we're going to learn is at the end of that, God always brings a blessing. God takes care of his people. He who began a good work is able to complete it. And we got to live by that. So no matter where you've been, can I just say it this way? No matter where you've been, no matter what road you've been on in the past, no matter where you're pointed, what direction you're pointed at right now, right? It may appear your life is going the wrong direction and you may be on the wrong road. If you begin to put your, your face in the right direction, on the right road, the right person, I believe he can change our life. He can change our destinies. He can change everything about our lives. He can change, well, you know, the, end, the end, end of it. To him who was able to keep me from falling, scripture says, that he can lead me in that direction. But here's, here's what we gotta do. And this is the very first thing. We gotta get this. We got to get on the road that'll take you where you need to go. You got to get on the road to take you where you where you're heading. Do you know what I've learned in my life? The wrong road will lead you to destruction. The right road will lead you to life. I, I, I was reading a, a, a statistic, a study that was kind of fascinating to me. Um, anybody ever hit a deer? Anybody ever hit a deer? Did you mean to hit the deer? No. Do you know what your chances of hitting a deer? Like if you were to leave church right now, your chances of hitting a deer, if you just leave this place right here, are one out of 169. That sounds kind of a little, a little high to me, but one out of 169. If you live in the state of West Virginia, and if you were to leave church, your chances of hitting are one out of 54. Okay, that gets Now here's the funny thing. If it's the, they call it the rut, okay? It's when the males are, excited and they're chasing the females like males do all the time right what happens it it, it doubles the chances because they're going to run out in the middle of the road in the middle of the day and all that kind of stuff now here's a really cool i'm going somewhere with this okay trust me like what does this have to do with their, just follow me if you live in the state of hawaii it's one in eight thousand seven hundred and sixty five they don't have any deer <laughs> The moral of, or the, the kind of the root of this is, trouble is more likely to happen where trouble dwells. Did you hear me on that? Trouble is more to happen where trouble dwells. If you're on a road that leads to trouble, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna get in trouble. If you're, if you're on a road that's safe and it's not gonna, guess what's gonna happen? If you continue, and we're, I don't wanna jump ahead, but some of us are on this road going in this direction and we don't like the, the trajectory of our path or the trajectory of our lives. Well, let me tell you what, you, the, you're putting yourself in trouble. And if you keep putting yourself in trouble, guess what? You're going to hit a deer eventually. You're going to hit a life obstacle. You're, you're going to hit a relational breakdown. You're going to hit something that 
that's going to lead you in a direction that you know you don't, you don't want to go. And so the, the path that we get on is important. And Naomi, we're going to see, gets on the right path. She gets on the right road. Verse 7, listen to what it says in verse 7. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living. So this was her life back here. Moab was her life. And then it says, and then she took the road, the road that would lead them back to blessings. That would lead them back to Bethlehem. That would lead them back to Judah, the place where they found God. The, the place with the ancestors that serve the same God that she's, she's going back that direction. And here's what happens in our lives so many times. And I'm telling you, this is what I love about Naomi. Na- Naomi reminds me of my faith walk. What happens when, Na- you know what? I can almost imagine, okay, I'm going to go that direction and everything's going to be fine tomorrow. Guess what? It doesn't happen that way either, does it? Our trouble doesn't, it's not eliminated as soon as we, we face the direction of whatever God wants us to do. Sometimes there's repercussions. There's, 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 there's still a law of sowing and reaping. I did some things that I've got to reap the, the bad benefits or the good benefits and go in this direction. Some should say amen to that, even if you don't like it, because that's, that's the story of my life. There's things in my life that I've done that I'm still paying the price for. Something I did 15 or 20 years, I'm still paying the price for, because that's the way it works. But God will eventually bring healing. God does not make everything right immediately. There's some distance sometimes that we must travel in order to get out of the place where we are, that the place that we've been living to the place where God wants us to be or we want to be. It's, can I just say a word that none of us, it's a process. It's a journey. That's why we call this place journey, right? Because this faith walk is a journey. Nothing happens right away. And along the way, along the way, we all learn something, right? And so... I just, if I can be as honest as I can be, I know some of us in this room are dealing with some tough life situations right now, okay? I just, marriages, children that aren't doing right, and maybe it's health. One of the things that I love about the story, to be honest with you, is that Naomi did everything right, and bad things still happened, didn't it? There was some struggles that she said. I, I, there, I'll tell you I'll tell you in a couple of weeks. No, I'll tell you now. It drives me nuts when people say, when bad things happen to good people. Because bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen to people that are sinful. By birth and by choice. And it's, by, it's just because we're human that things happen. And what the story of Ruth shows and demonstrates is that Naomi, was, she was just human. And she was just going, whatever the, the hand that was dealt to her, she was going to walk through that situation. And so let me ask you a question. Okay, I want to ask you another question. If you don't like where you're at right now, what's the road you need to get on to get to where you want to go? How's that? Is that pretty, pretty pointed? Like just what's the road? What's it look like? Is it, is it a word, you know, this road over here that, you know, pro, you know, giving, serving, you know, loving my wife, getting involved in the Bible, whatever it is, what's that road that you have to get? Well, let me give you another thing because this is really, really, really important. And this has been the toughest lesson as a leader to learn. Sometimes we have to accept that not everyone will take your journey with you. Did you hear me? I, I, I've been 30, 33 years in ministry, and I wish that I had all the same people around me that I started ministry up, but it just doesn't work that way. That doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that they did things wrong. 
Some people fell, fell away from God. Some people just moved on with God. Some, they're doing greater and bigger things, or they're doing what God's called them to do. And what we see in this story is Naomi starts to begin this journey back to Jerusalem with her two daughters-in-law. One's named Orpah, and one is named Ruth. And what we see is after they started their way, Naomi gave them a way out. He said, listen, I, or she said, I don't know that both of you, I don't know that you're supposed to go with me. I don't know that you're going to stay on the bus that were, you know, the bus to Bethlehem with me. Watch what it says in verse 8. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons to, uh, who should grow or could grow up to be your husbands? Nope. My daughters return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear a son, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up to refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far from, uh, far from bitter for me um, than for you, because the Lord himself, and I, I mean, if you're going to underline this, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. How many people have ever felt like that? that God has raised his fist. It's not true, but we feel that way. And what we're seeing in this little, this little portion right here is they were choices to make. Both, both of them had a choice. You can stay in Moab and find a husband, have children, build a, a decent life, or you can go to Bethlehem as a foreigner. And no, who knows what's gonna happen there. You may never, never find, and that was the choice that they, they were getting. And then there's this moment of decision. Can I tell you something? Every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, in our lives, we will have a moment of decision where we will have to choose to follow after God or not follow after God. Even after becoming a believer, there's moments that you will have to, I will have to choose to do the right thing in God's sight, uh, God's sight or do the wrong thing in God's sight. And that's what's gonna happen here in verse 14. And again, they wept together and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. What's that word say? What's those words? Goodbye. Just a second ago, I'm going, I'm going back to Bethlehem with you. I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. Goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. She said, look, Naomi said to her sister, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn your back. Now I'm going to stop right here. Here's one of the most misquoted verses in scripture because we use this a lot of times in weddings and it has nothing to do with a wedding. It has nothing to do with a man and a woman. But watch what it said. And tell me you don't want your spouse saying this to you. Or tell me you don't want your best friend telling you this same line. And this is what it says. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. He says, may the Lord punish me severely if... I allow anything but death to separate us. I, woohoo! Like, like if your spouse said that to you right now, like you're like, come on, baby, let's go home. <laughs> right? If your best friend said that, like you, you, like you're 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 doing whatever, like you're you're come on, you know, face paint the whole nine yards. That's a big deal. But you know what had to happen here? Both of them had to decide for themselves. Naomi wasn't telling Ruth or Orpah that they had to go. She was giving them a way out. 
Orpah left, and Ruth stayed. Orpah kissed Naomi and said goodbye. Could you imagine that? I'll never see you. Like I told my son-in-law and my daughter, I, I could never imagine one of my kids kissing me or my, one of my son-in-laws give me a hug and say, peace out, we're moving to the other side of the world. I, I, I don't, I'll never see you. I can't imagine it happening. They made a decision. And honestly, Orpah made a decision that seems logical, doesn't it? I'm going to stay with my people. And Naomi's didn't seem logical at all. But there was something that was driving her with Ruth, Naomi, Bethlehem. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is really important. When you finally decide to leave Moab to go back to Bethlehem, some people will want to stay in Moab. What do you mean, Pastor Bobby? I mean this. This is exactly what I mean. When you make a decision to follow after God, some people will be left behind. Some people will not take that journey with you. I've watched it for the last 20 years. There's some people that go, you know something? You're too far out there. You're too wild. You're too crazy. Your dreams are too whatever. I can't make this trip with you. Take it on those sense. You know, there's things in our lives when we decide to make a decision to follow after Christ, we decide to go to Bethlehem, to Judah. When we, there's things, the Moab, there's, there's sin. There's sin back here that we've got to leave there. There's relationships back here that we've got to leave here. There's things that are going to lead us to destruction that we've got to leave in order for us to go to Bethlehem. That's what happens in our lives. In order to build a new life for ourselves, we have to say goodbye to some people, don't we? And sometimes we have to say goodbye to people that we really care about. I'm going to encourage us to do this. Find you a Ruth. Find you a Ruth and let go of Orpah. Find you a Ruth in your life that you can do life with, you can do ministry with, you can do whatever you need to do and watch what God does. Okay, here's the last thing. It's most important. You must be willing to continue your journey even when you feel empty. Anybody ever feel empty? Come on now, let's be honest. We're in church. He knows you're lying right now. Like, I don't know what he'll do. I'm not going to say he'll do anything, but he knows you're lying. There's times where I walk up on this stage, honestly, and I'm empty. There's times that I walk up on, on this stage and I feel like that I'm, I'm speaking out of scarcity. There's times where if there wasn't that, just that little, if the Holy Spirit didn't move all of a sudden, nothing was going to happen. It's just, it's just, it's what happens in life. We pour out, we pour out we, with our kids and the people around us and our workplace. We fail to take care of ourselves. And that's exactly what's happening to Naomi. Verse 18, when Naomi saw Ruth, was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. They hadn't seen her in 10 years. A little small town. It was like a party. I wonder how that made how that made Ruth feel. Everybody knew Naomi. And there's Ruth, just Ruth. The woman asked, I love this. Is this really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made, made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such a tragedy now, in name, Naomi means pleasant. Mara means bitterness. And she said, I want to be recognized because that's what the Lord's done. Now, I'm going to say this. She does not sound like a great woman of faith right now, does she? Like, she will not be getting a phone call from me if I have a prayer need. 
she, she will never wear green. She will never wear a red shirt and be a Campus Connection person. Say, how y'all doing today? Because she's going, my life is bitter. God has stretched his fist. Now, here's what I like. And this is going to hurt some feelings. Right? I don't know where we got this in our minds. I like the fact that Naomi is honest. I think we have been taught bad theology in the church. And the bad theology is just put a smile on your face. God will take care of you. Be happy. Don't worry. Right? It happened to me 30 years ago. I was at a church and we were, my wife, I don't know why men always say we were pregnant. My wife was pregnant and she was pregnant with a child that we ended up losing. And I remember going to church. I knew what was happening. We had called the doctor. It, it, it was not good. And I remember walking up, we had prayer that night and I walked up for prayer and I remember somebody from our church going, just put a smile on your face, Jesus will take care of you. And I turned around and I said, I wanna put something on somebody's face, yours, and it's not a smile right now. But somehow or another, we've been taught in the church, just smile and it'll go away. And that's the farthest thing, we never see it. Do you see David smiling when things, no. He's, he literally, Psalms 1 Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence. There's this, there's this deep down. Job loses everything, all his kids, all his money. People tell him, just curse God and die. And he did that. He, he takes off his clothes. He, he, he rolls around in sackcloth. and it, it was a sign of mourning. Can, can I just give you permission today to be honest with God? Don't worry about what somebody else says. If you have a sickness... Man, raise your fist at God and go, God, what are you trying to do? Because you know what? In that moment right there, I believe he'll start to speak to you. With a relationship, maybe that's not going the direction you wanted to go, and you're raising your fist. Good, you're in a great place. At least you're having a conversation with God. I'd rather you be raising your fist to him than not talking to him at all. Did you hear me? At least you're having a conversation with him. At least he can move in our lives. Be honest. The facades, I believe, the, I think that's one of the greatest works of the enemy is when we put a facade up, that we act like we have everything going on and everything's fine when it's not. God knows you. God knows you better than anybody else. Naomi goes, and, and this is really good. She goes, I went in full. Can I say this? I went in full and I came out empty. And I don't think that's a bad thing. There's some things that I'm full of in my life that I need to empty out. You know why? Addition by subtraction. I can't get the good stuff in my life if I got the bad stuff, so I got to get rid of some of the bad stuff. Amen? Amen? And so addition by subtraction, that's what he, that, this is exactly what's happening right here. And you may feel like and Naomi, and I love this, my favorite part of the whole, and just the last couple of minutes, verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and the young Moabite woman. They arrived at Bethlehem in late spring, and watch this, at the beginning of the barley harvest. What had been happening for 10 years? There was a famine. Could you imagine as she crests that hill and she looks at the stalks of barley and they have grain on the top? And at that moment right there, she realized that she was on the right road to recovery. She was on the right road where God wanted her to go. Can I say this? For, I don't want to sound like, you know, some of the, the, just the silly stuff that goes on in the world that we live in, in the church world. I believe some of us right now, in this moment right now, are cresting a hill and we're looking and we're looking for the, and it's right there. And, and, and on the top of the barley, there's grain and there's a harvest about to happen. 
if we continue in the direction that God wants us to go, if we get on the right road, we get rid of the stuff that needs to be gone out of our lives, if we walk in the direction of the Father, I believe, I believe, you know what it becomes? It's about a process. I, I was reading about a cellist this uh, past week. His name is Pablo Casals. He's 95 years old. And 95 years old, he still practices six hours a day. Could you imagine that? Six hours a day. And somebody asked him, why do you still practice? Why do you do all this, you know, six hours a day? He goes, because I think I'm making progress. Do you know why we need to stay on the trail, the road, the journey? Because we're making progress. Because God is doing something in us exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or we can imagine. Even when we don't see it, it's a process. And we're going to see in the story that she not only crests the hill and sees grain and sees the famine broken, but she's going to see the faithfulness of a redeeming father in her life, just like Jesus redeemed us. Why don't you do me a favor? I want you to stand up with me real quick. Just shut your eyes for a half a second. And think about where you're at. Every person in this room is at a different place. Yeah, I get that. Some of you haven't even started your faith walk yet. You're, you're, you're close. You're getting there. Some of us, we've been on our faith walk for years. But you know what I've learned? It really doesn't make a difference the longevity of your faith walk. Trouble's coming. Whether you're a minute into it or decades into it. And maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you feel like, man, it just went from bad to worse. Let me encourage you, get on the right road. And if you have a conversation, I love the way scripture says it. When we seek God with our whole heart, he reveals himself to us. I love that. Right now, seek him. God, what is the right road I'm supposed to be on? Where am I? What's the direction? What's the relationship I'm like? What's my occupation? What's my job? What, what is it that you want me to do with my life? Maybe even ask a question, God, am I on the right road right now? Maybe you've tried. Here's my issue. I try to carry these things into the blessings. I tried to carry these things that have brought misery all my life into the area where God says he's going to bring blessings and there's no way it can work. They can't, they don't work together. So maybe the question is, God, what are the things in my life that I need to get rid of? What do I, what do I need to leave back in Moab? People, sins, maybe, maybe it's thoughts. And maybe some of us have walked into this place and we feel a lot like them. We're bitter. We have resentment in our lives. We've even shaken our fist at God. Can I make you a promise? Because I know who God is. There's a harvest waiting for us. He told Joel, all the things that the locusts has eaten, I'm going to restore. All the things that he took, I'm going to give back to you. 
I don't believe that word was just for 4,000 years ago. I think that word's for us right now. I believe when Joseph said what the enemy meant to bring harm, God turned around and made it a good thing. I believe that's for us. And it may seem like the enemy has brought harm to your life, but God's gonna turn that thing around and you're gonna see a blessing on the other end of it, a harvest. Heavenly Father, in this moment right now, this is my prayer. We have all walked into this place with things, with stuff. And I pray that today, your Holy Spirit, your Holy, not me, your Holy Spirit spoke through me and spoke to me about the things in my life. And I pray we walk out of here knowing you more and that we know the redemption story because this story of Ruth and Naomi is a story of Jesus on the cross. It's a story about how you brought redemption, that you went and you did what you did for all of us. And we're thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.